Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Having an awful week. Well, hang in there because we are back with your favorite avatar, The Last Airbender Rewatch Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Muhammad, and as always, I'm joined by my snazzy friend, Jacob Redman, in his red button-up t-shirt. Or shirt. How you doing, Jacob? I'm doing well, Zach. You know, I've stayed away from the cactus juice. I've got a clear head coming into this podcast. I think it's going to be a good podcast. Yeah, Sokka was like tripping balls. We'll get into that. It's a weird uh, scene for a kid's show to have, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, he's like tripping pretty hard. This is not the first time he's been tripping, I don't think, either. And it hits quick. Uh, like, he he hits that cactus juice, and within seconds, he's already seeing stuff. Yeah, no, 100%. He's already seeing a bunch of stuff in Momo, too. We'll get into it, but I, I love Momo tripping on the cactus juice as well. That might Momo's be the highlight. consistently out of it, like, consistently <laughs> just a little bit off. I, I really enjoyed the Momo parts of it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so... Anything you want to get into before we talk about the episode? Any programming notes and stuff? Uh, no, no. I think uh, you know, not much to get into here. Just a uh, you know, another episode of Avatar. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll jump into it. So the episode opens directly from where we last left off in the library, and Ang's angrily berating Toph for letting Appa get stolen. And poor Toph, she didn't do anything wrong. Ang's just ripping into her, and luckily Katara is the voice of reason as always, as she attempts to calm Ang down. Yeah, Katara stays the voice of reason here through the whole episode. Katara yes. is the one who's like, you know, making sure they're not literally dying. Um. Like, yeah, after escaping from the library last week, like, you know, immediately Aang is ready to turn on Toph. And here I thought the scene played a little bit differently on a rewatch like we're doing it. You know, we're watching it week to week instead of like all in a binge. And I think like it's even more hard to see where Aang is coming from when I've had some time apart from like Appa getting stolen. Because like, it's not Toph's fault. I know that even when I'm watching a binge. But having that space made it even more clear that Aang is just off his rocker here. He is, but at the same time, you have to understand, Aang just loves Appa with all his heart. In the chase, when they're being chased by Azula, Aang doesn't care if people criticize him. But as soon as Toph brought up Appa, that's when Aang got angry and aggro. So the thing is, yeah, he just really cares for Appa, and if he, like he's just gonna pick the first person to blame. Because at the end of the day, Ang is still a twelve-year-old kid who's emotional and does not, yeah not in control of his emotions. So what can you do? He just lets loose on Toph, sadly. Yeah, that that's fair. And after he lets loose, like he starts scolding her, saying that like, how dare you do this, like saying, oh, you let Appa get captured on purpose, indicating, like, this is good for her. I have no idea what she'd get out of it, but thankfully Katara is there to try to calm him down, and I guess Katara does something, because without it, like, they're just in the desert, they're gonna be dead, and Katara gets them some space, at least. 
Yeah, there's no oppa to put the team on their back, so Katara takes on that role this episode. She does yeah. <laughs> most of the heavy lifting, to be honest. Not as effective as Appa. You know, they're in a desert. Usually, it'd be really easy for them to get out. It's like, oh, cool, we're in a desert? Then, great, we'll fly out of here. But without Appa, it's like, it's a little questionable if they were going to get out at times, but... Yeah, yeah well, you know, you're yeah. absolutely right. They could have died. They got very lucky. They just run into that sand glider randomly. Yeah, yeah, they did get lucky there. Um, yeah, real lucky. But here, like, Aang, after getting upset... Uh, decides to just like fly off and do his own thing, which seems really selfish because so like without Appa, I think Aang has the highest chance of getting out because he can airbend away. Everyone else has to walk on their feet and for Aang to just fly away seems a bit rude, even though he's looking for Appa. Yeah, I didn't think too much of this. I mean, I maybe the sandbenders haven't gotten that far and Aang can like fly in like a 10 kilometer radius and hope to find something. So I don't know. I didn't fault Aang too much for going and looking for Appa himself because at the end of the day, he's the only one who can even search for Appa. Nobody else yeah. can cover that much ground on foot. That That's fair. Uh, then Katara decides that she's going to like take charge. She's like, all right, we got to get out of here. We know about the eclipse. Like this is pretty important knowledge, you know, could turn the tide of the war. So we actually have to get out of this desert. I like how she doesn't mention that she doesn't want to die. That's not one of the reasons to get out of the desert. It's mostly focused on the war. Very, yeah. very uh, altruistic. Yeah, I, 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 I would want to just get out of the <laughs> desert because I don't want to die. I'm in the same boat as you. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's not not on Katara's mind. Yeah, like it would be the first thing that comes to mind is like, I would like to get out of here so I can keep living. But no, I guess she's <laughs> just a better person than me. That's fine. Uh, and then as they're walking away, I love this Sokka line. Sokka's like, well, I wonder if we can get a giant owl to, like, give us a ride. Like, <laughs> trying to get this owl, like, who just turned on you. Be like, hello, uh, would you mind letting me out and uh, getting me out of this desert, please? Yeah, this owl that just tried to murder you, like, hours earlier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you want a ride from it. What do you think the response would be? Would it be like, uh, or I, like... So my thought is maybe you could say, like, if you get us out of the desert, we'll, like, for sure leave you alone. Is there any way that that is persuasive or no, the owl attacks me? No, the owl will attack Sokka 100% of the time. Because especially after they attack the owl, Sokka conked it on the head. So I was all going to be like, hey, I just conked you on the head an hour ago. Now you want to give me a ride out the desert? The owl, like that's like spitting in Wanchi Tong's face. I don't think he'd take too kindly to that. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, the next thing we see is Iroh and Zuko. Uh, they are like going on this ostrich horse. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get to the scene here, but like looking back on this, this ostrich horse has been so influential. There's been so many times this ostrich horse comes back. I got to ask, was Zuko even wrong to steal this ostrich horse? Like it's come up so many times. It's been so useful. Like, is it justified? I don't know if it's him stealing the ostrich horse is justified still. I mean, it is very useful. Maybe it's like it was a necessity for him to steal the ostrich horse. Like he had to steal it so him and Iroh could travel farther. But yeah, yeah. but that doesn't make it right that he stole it or justified. You Fine. know what I mean? It's, yeah. It was it was a necessity for him, but that doesn't like the family probably needed the ostrich horse more than he did still. So. That's true, that's true. But when, like, I was watching this, you know, I knew that they rode the ostrich horse for a bit, but this keeps coming up. Like, this is not the only time that we've seen Zuko and his ostrich horse. 
Yeah, no, we see it a lot. He takes it yeah. he takes it all the way up to the mountain to get go get struck by lightning and <laughs> Exactly. But Iros had as much of this Osher's horse as I have, uh, and he is like just wailing. He's on the back of that thing, just milking his injury for all he can. All you hear as he's walking around, he's just like, oh, <laughs> like something terrible's happened to him. Um, maybe he's in pain. Like, I guess I shouldn't make fun of him that much. Uh, but they have to take a break as, uh, Uncle Iroh's gonna get what he wants. They make camp. As they do, we see a bunch of rhinos, the same ones that attacked, uh, the Chin village a few weeks back. Um, now start to attack Zuko and Iroh. What'd you think about the rough rhinos here? Yeah, I like the rough rhinos. What's funny is, like, Iroh is sick. And then he goes from being sick to being able to fend off all these rough rhinos after, like you said, just moaning and griping like <laughs> two minutes earlier. And he's still yeah. able to lay the smack down on Colonel Bonke and these rough rhinos. I like See, how I, that's, oh, continue. That, that's what makes me think that he was faking the sickness the whole time that he wasn't sick. He was just bored uh, because <laughs> like as soon as he needs to, he fights effective. He is so good. He's making some clever moves killing it so he had to be had he had to be faking yeah do you want to get into this fight because like so at one point iroh like roundhouse kicks a mace ball like that was one of the most impressive feats of non-bending i've ever seen that was just an impressive feat of athleticism to be honest yeah <laughs> he just roundhouse like, kicks like a steel ball that is pure strength right there that yeah. is like very very impressive uh yeah i think this fight's actually very interesting i thought that this fight was like Pretty cool. I think that the rough rhino group is great. I'm glad that, that we didn't just leave them at the Chin Village. Uh, as Ira points out, they're not only like all good different <laughs> types of bin or different types of attacks, but they're also a lovely singing group. Yeah, and I have to imagine they're a barbershop quartet or quintet because why not? Yeah, they're a capable singing group according to Ira. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is too funny. I just want to. I, I wish there was footage like of them singing. I want to see that. Imagine that, like, as a Nickelodeon extra. It's, like, uh, just, like, one extra little scene, like, on, like, CBS All Access or whatever the equivalent was at the time, which is, like, just the Rough Rhinos singing a barbershop quintet. Yeah, I kind of wish they had, like, the community-style ending sequences where it's just, like, in the end in yeah. the end credits, they just have, like, <laughs> the Rough Rhinos singing in their barbershop quintet. That's actually a really good idea uh, to have, like, the singing at the end. Because I feel like there's so much song that happens in Avatar that you could, like, have the community-esque endings. Um, so, yeah. I think Would be that, nice. I think that'd be good. One question I had for you. This is going back a little bit. But I think Iroh's faking here. But I have to say, like, when I'm sick, I'm the worst person to be around. I'm absolutely awful. How are you? Uh, I'm not great, but I, whenever I'm really sick, I usually try to sleep it off. So then I keep to myself when I'm sick. So I'm not like okay. a burden to anybody else. I don't get too angry at my family and friends. I just tell them to leave me alone. Yeah. Usually my love language is quality time. Like that's normally like my one, but when I'm sick, it's acts of service. I want people to do everything for me. I want you to make my soup, blow on it for me, get me a glass of water. I've got one foot in the grave and I need your help when I'm sick. So... Yeah. I remember one time I had stomach flu and then my fam nobody in my family drives. And then I, I had a friend and I was like, yo, can you go grocery shopping for me? And to his credit, he actually did. Yeah. <laughs> I e-transferred him and he actually went grocery shopping for me. So that, that is Shout a great friend home. you have. 
True, and I haven't talked to him in years, actually, so maybe I should hit yeah. up Adrian once again. Funny guy. Yeah, Adrian sounds like a good friend. One time when I was sick, I really wanted some tomato soup so bad, but we didn't have any. My mom wasn't going to go to the store, so I paid my sister 10 bucks to go get some for me. She got it and made it for me, and I was like, this is so worth the $10. Like, it was it was so worth it. Uh, it just hit. So you had to pay her $10 on top of already paying for the soup as well? Well, the soup's like a buck at most, right? It's like a can of it's a can of crappy soup, but it was trust me, I would have paid more for that soup. In fact, I got a great deal. <laughs> I was not feeling well. Wow. An eleven dollar can of soup, huh? I don't know if I could justify <laughs> that purchase myself. I'm too cheap of a man. I mean, anytime you go to a restaurant and they give you soup, like it's not much better than the like a can of soup at the store. No, that's like, true, but I'm not a big soup and restaurant guy myself either. I'm not yeah. a big soup, soup guy. Soup and restaurant's a weird option. Like if you're going soup and restaurant, yeah, it better be a special soup. Yeah, if I'm already in a restaurant spending money, I don't want a soup. I want like a big appetizer and a big main course myself. Yeah, I I agree with that. All right, I uh, you know it's settled. We're not soup and restaurant people. <laughs> um, what, what do you think about the other people uh, in this rough rhinos? I think that they're pretty cool. They've got like one person with the chains. They have someone who looked kind of like a Yuyan Archer, maybe. I think it was a Yuyan Archer. Yeah, and then yeah. the Yuyan Archer. This was a formidable, and then Zoro just like one shots this Archer pretty much. Uh, yeah, like. The, these people, if they are, like, supposed to be, like, you know, very good at fighting, uh, they must have had an off day. They must have lost a few steps <laughs> themselves because they kind of got destroyed. Yeah, they must have all come down with the flu or whatever you had when you had your sister buying you tomato soup. <laughs> the way yeah, they, they fought. Must have. They, yeah, they really must have. That was, uh, yeah. Is, not, it, not is, this, is this the only Iron Zuko we get this whole episode? No, we get them later. Um, like, Iron Zuko come back when they go into the town. We get the whole White Lotus thing. Oh, and that's yeah, the part yeah, of the yeah, episode right. that drags the most for me. We'll get there. But I wasn't a huge fan of this episode. I think it starts off fine. Like, all the parts that we're talking about now are fine. Yeah, it just kind of drags. Agree. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of a slow... It's an episode where, like, nothing really happens. Like, yeah. especially if you're... If we watch Avatar a million times, it's like... It's an inconsequential episode at the end of the day. Like, this is an episode... Where you could skip it on a rewatch and not miss much. Yep. Um, one thing that they do um, is like, oh, actually, yeah. So before they're they're fighting, uh, Iroh asks, "Are you a Jasmine man?" Uh, I I don't know. Like, I maybe the types of tea are different enough. Like, are you a Jasmine man? Do you have enough of a tea palette to have a preference? Mm, I usually stick to orange pico. That's the tea I drink the most. Orange pico? That's coming out of nowhere. I've never you, heard of that. You've never heard of orange pico? It's a pretty generic thing. It's just like Tetley orange pico. Yeah, that's like common with African people. They just love orange pico. Add a lot of sugar and milk to it, make it all tasty. What about you? What's I, your favorite tea? I've heard of orange teas, but maybe I'm just uh, misremembering. I think my favorite tea, well, I really like boba. So I'm not sure if that counts because like the best part of the boba is not the actual tea. It's the like tapioca pearls. Oh, you're talking about bubble tea. Bubble tea. Yeah. Yeah. Bubble tea. Yeah. 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 That does, I don't know if that counts though. Is it really tea? Is it? I mean, it's got tea in the name. Yeah. Bubble but then tea. half the time it's just like fruit, like fructose sugar and just like bubbles. I don't know. It's, it's not really tea. I feel like. 
Yeah, I think my favorite part of the tea is the not tea parts of tea. <laughs> uh, I don't think Ira would like me very much, but uh, I think if I'm a Jasmine person at all, it would definitely be the Disney princess, because I do think that Jasmine <laughs> is the best character, except maybe the parrot, Iago. He's pretty good, too. Yeah, I love Gilbert Gottfried as Iago. Yeah. Well, shall we move on in the Avatar sphere of things? Sadly, there's yeah, no Gilbert Gottfried in Avatar. I feel like he'd be dope as a character. <laughs> he would be. That would be that would be a good casting. Um, but yeah, so so we see like uh, Ira does some cool stuff. The the one cool thing that he does is as the ball and chain gets there, uh, he kicks it away, as Zach said earlier. But then, even better, the chain wraps around the leg of another rhino. He slaps the rhino on the rear which then makes both the one rider who's on the first rhino and the one that the chain was on both like out of the fight, which is incredible. He took two people out of the fight in like five seconds. Yeah, Iroh is just a really smart tactician when he fights. He's like, there's no wasted energy, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then like, imagine being just a boring firebender of the group. Like all of these other people have like cool, like archery or like other types of things. And it's just like, yeah, I firebend like, every other person in the Fire Nation. <laughs> well, hey, there's some people in the Fire Nation that can't bend at all, so... That's that's fair, okay. Yeah. Like the Ty Lees and Mays of the world. Yeah, they also have some pretty school, cool skills. That's um, true. Yeah, so then we see um, one of the writers throws some sort of, like, smoke screen or bomb or something at the ostrich horse, but the ostrich horse does not care. That thing is a <laughs> champ, as... Good as Appa is at carrying the team on his back, Uncle Iroh and Zuko get away. Uh, Zuko makes a comment that's like, oh, it's too bad you don't have friends that don't want to attack you. And Uncle Iroh's like, oh, yeah, friends that don't want to attack me. Maybe I should go see these other people. Why did this not cross his mind earlier? I don't know. Iroh feels like he's always in the moment, especially with Zuko. He doesn't really care about himself or what happens to him. He just cares about helping Zuko. So. Yeah, I guess that's why it didn't cross his mind earlier. But you're right. It should have. He's a smart guy. So, I don't know. Too selfless, I guess. Uh, next thing we see is Katara, Sokka, and Toph back in the desert. They're all really tired at this point. Uh, clearly, they're worn down. Uh, they're in the hot sun in the desert. It's got to be miserable out there. Um, uh, Sokka takes, like, a second uh, to, I guess, like, stop. And, like, uh, he does something with, like, Momo to try to, like, get some shade or something. Um, and like, because he slows down, Toph like crashes into him. Uh, and then Sokka is like, can't you see where you're going? And Toph's like, no. Uh, and just like, so <laughs> deadpan sells it. She's like, no, uh, it, that kills me. It and then Sokka me. apologizes right away. He's like, all oh, right, sorry. Cause <laughs> of course he has to, like, what, what can he do? Yeah. I love what this else moment. Do? Yeah. And then they ask Katara for her, Katara, they ask Katara for water. And then she gives them her bending water. And then they're, and then Sokka tasted it. He's like, oh, it tastes swampy. <laughs> Does she not clean out her water? Like, you know, I do chores every now and again to keep my house clean. I feel like switching your bending water when you have the chance is a chore that any waterbender should be doing. True, but uh, think about this. When's the last time she's actually been to a water source? The bar, maybe? What's yeah. the last... I guess it's awkward to like roll up and be like, hey, do you mind if I have some of your water to bend? Uh, That is a bit weird. 
Yeah, um, I feel like she didn't have too many opportunities to get fresh water somewhere. Maybe when they go to Bossing Day, she can get some less yeah. swampy water. Also, I don't think they're actually drinking her bending water most of the time. That's that's fair. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. The one th- thing that's really good that she didn't use is the like spirit water from the North Pole. Imagine how different the series is if they use that water to drink. Like, yeah, the series true. takes a totally j- different trajectory in season three. I mean, Aang probably dies. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, <laughs> like, the lightning bolt from Azula probably kills Aang. For sure. And then, like, season three is just the fire uh, firebenders winning, which would be so <laughs> bad. And then it would all come back to, like, well, shouldn't drink the water. Yeah, um, no, that's... Could you imagine this was, like, a choose-your-own-adventure book? And, like, uh, one of the options was, like, drink the swamp water or drink the, like, uh, special water? And you drink it, and then, like, 50 pages later, it's, like, the firebenders win, Aang dies. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be hilarious. I would. They should make, like, an Avatar choose-your-own-adventure book. Look at us coming with so many business ideas for the Avatar yeah. people. They got to make feel- us the official Avatar podcast now. Screw oh. the IGN and Nickelodeon ones. We'll get oh, into we'll that later after our episode recap, but there's some new competition for your boys, Zach and Jake. Yeah, uh, we got to fight some people. Uh, but I do <laughs> think the Choose Your Own Adventure book would be great. This is not the first time that we've had one of these like hypotheticals, what would happen if like this happened. So I think this would be great. Maybe we should create a Choose Your Own Adventure book of the Avatar series. I would have a lot of fun thinking those hypotheticals. I'd be down. We just need our artist, and there we go. Sounds good to me. Um, so here, like, uh, yeah, Katara does not have a ton of water. Makes sense. Uh, I don't really know why she would be, like, have a ton of water, even though she's a waterbender. Um, but then Sokka goes, and he sees, like, uh, some cactus. You know, looks harmless enough. He slices off a piece of the cactus. He drinks whatever's inside. Momo has a little bit himself. And then Katara's like, no, 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 don't eat random plants that you don't know. But no, he is just pounding this fruit, uh, and he's super excited. Uh, then all of a sudden, he starts saying how quenchy it is, and how it's the quenchiest fruit. And I don't like the word quench. So <laughs> Why? You don't like it? Is it like moist for you? Yeah. Nothing's quenchier. It's the quenchiest. And then the filter gets real, the filter on the screen gets really weird. They have like that cream colored filter, but then there's like a close up on Sokka's face. It's almost like fear and loathing in Las Vegas. I don't know. Have you ever seen that movie with Johnny Depp and Guillermo del Toro? I think. Or Benicio no, I, del I Toro. Basically, it's about a journalist and a lawyer just tripping off a bunch of drugs in, um, <laughs> in, um, okay, what well, is it, Las Vegas? Apt. Yeah. Perfect. And then it, that, that's like Sokka in this scene. Cause I looked it up. I was like, can cacti juice get you high? And apparently peyote or peyote is a drug in Mexico where, and it comes from cactuses or cacti. So, so it's apparently that's what it was. Sokka was drinking peyote. Well, I did not know that we were going to be learning about uh, drugs here on the podcast, but uh, there you go. That, that is actually a very useful fact because I was thinking that this was a little silly. I was like, Okay, like, I always thought cactus would be, like, a safe place to get water if you were in the desert, but I guess I'd stay away from it unless I'm, you know, going to, uh, you know, eat some cactus. And then I looked it up on the Avatar Wiki. In the Avatar recipe book, the whoever was curating it wanted to put in cactus juice, but they wanted to add alcohol or cannabinoids for some reason. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then that got vetoed by Nickelodeon. <laughs> they taught they me Nickelodeon to- was not going to add alcohol or cannabis to the <laughs> Avatar book for children. Huh? I wonder why. I'm just surprised that it even got pitched in the first place. This lady was really ambitious. But whoever was putting, I forget her name, but she was putting it together. Yeah, I'm just surprised that that even got pitched. Yeah, whoever put that in the book is like bold. Uh, I'm not sure they're smart, but they really are bold. It it didn't get end up getting. It didn't make the final cut. I'm pretty sure, but that's just like a fun little trivia fact. Oh, and then Momo is actually very interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Momo drinks the cactus juice too. And what he does, he flies directly upwards, spins in a circle like three times, and then crashes into the directly to the ground. So Momo's tripping harder than Sokka, even. Yeah, Momo does some weird stuff. Like, every time that they're, like, flying or traveling one way, Momo's just, like, trying to fly the other direction, and Sokka has to, like, hold its tail. Like, Momo's wild this episode. Yeah, Momo and Sokka are just off a perk and while everyone else is chilling. Yeah. Um, (laughs) anyway... Uh, then, like, Katara's like, alright, you've had enough of this, and Sokka's like, who lit Toph on fire? <laughs> which, which, I love like, this line. <laughs> How high I is he? I don't even... What? How high is he? Uh, he's gotta be so high, because it makes no sense, <laughs> and all I could think here is, like, there's a little bit of Alicia Keys, like, uh, this girl is on fire. <laughs> uh, but, like... It came, it, this comes out of nowhere. Like, there's not anything that makes it seem like fire. I went back to try to see if it looked like the sun was over Toph's head, but it wasn't. Sokka's just tripping. Nope, Sokka's just on one. I want, I want what he's having. <laughs> Cause that's, I, that's, uh, that's what Toph says is she's like, can I get some of that cactus? <laughs> oh, and then no. Katara dissuades her. Smart from Katara, not letting Toph be one of the. One of the people tripping off cactus juice. Yeah, but imagine how well Toph could see with the cactus juice. Like, she could see more than she normally sees, I think. Probably. What if she just, like, regains her eyesight after drinking the cactus juice? She just can see again? That would be literally the most wild plot. (laughs) We can put it in the Choose Your Own Adventure book. Yeah, give Toph the cactus juice, yes or no. Toph regains her vision and becomes the best earthbender the world's ever seen. No, I think if she had her vision, she'd be a worse earthbender. Oh, you're right. You're right, actually. Yeah, because of how well she uses the vibrations in the ground. That's true. Yeah, I don't think it's a disability. I think it's more of an ability to have the uh, the vibrations be her only sight. Um, is Katara the least likely person to have to do the cactus juice? I, yeah, I, think I mean, so. she's, yeah, I think so too. I think Aang might try it if he's not like angry about Appa being captured, but I would I don't love think to would. see Aang's high fantasy. I would love it. I wonder what Aang would be like off the cactus juice. Who knows? Honestly. Yeah. Is this where well, Aang we can re- write it ourselves? We can, we'll write it ourselves in the choose your own adventure book. So then we see Aang deep into the distance and he can't find Appa and he's really angry. So then he just slams his glider into the ground and creates a huge mushroom cloud. And then Sokka, Katara, and Toph are able to see it in the distance. And then <laughs> Sokka's still tripping. And he's like, giant mushroom. Maybe it's friendly. <laughs> yeah, he is super high here. But I think this is impressive what Aang does. 
Aang is very upset here and like creates his mushroom cloud. But this is as big of a mushroom cloud as any nuclear explosion. This is like atomic bomb level mushroom cloud. Yeah, it's huge. You're absolutely right. Very powerful. Um, anyway, next thing we cut to is we go back to the village with the Misty Palms Oasis where we were last week. Um, yeah, then we see the people originally chasing Toph down. We got Master Yu and Jin Fu trying to find uh, Toph. They are trying to find her, and I think that they, like, get some of the, like, uh, directions by, like, uh, yeah, I guess insinuating that they're going to, like, break his hand if he doesn't give directions. Um, they say that they've gone into the desert, and, uh, yeah, th- this whole scene, like, didn't have a ton. Uh, the important piece here is that they find some Fire Nation wanted posters, which contains photos of Aang, the Blue Spirit, Zuko and Iroh, Zhang Zhang, and, you guessed it, our favorite on the podcast, Che. I did not notice the Che wanted poster. Oh, I was so <laughs> to excited. To be honest. When I watched this, Zach, I, like, uh, I saw the wanted posters and then I was like, oh, I didn't see who was on it. So I should go back to like see who is wanted to know if we know everyone on it so far. And I went back and I was like looking at him and I saw Che and I was like, oh my God, I cannot <laughs> wait to talk about this on the podcast. We <laughs> love Che here on the pod. <laughs> I mean, Che is just such a weird bender because he just uses these bombs rather than his actual firebending, even though I'm pretty sure he is a firebender. He is definitely a firebender. I've read everything on the wiki about him. But yeah, he does not. He, I guess he just doesn't like to firebend, you know? Not every firebender has firebend. And then is this where we get the joke with Master Yu and Jin Fu? It's like, she's wanted dead or alive is what Jin Fu says. And then Master Yu's like, no, she's not. I'm certain yeah. she's wanted alive, which I thought was <laughs> yeah. pretty funny. It's yeah. like he, Master Yu is so incredulous. He's like, what's wrong with you? Why would you even entertain this? Which is true. I could see myself in Master Yu in that moment. Well, because it's like an intimidating thing to say. It's like, oh, well, she's wanted no matter what. And Master Yu's like, no, no, no. What are you talking about? You're a liar. <laughs> um, and I like, so we don't get a ton of this. Like, we this is only a little part of the episode. But I do think that this sort of buddy cop with people that are this opposite in personalities would be kind of funny. Because they're both made it motivated by money, but Master Yu and Jin Fu are totally different. I actually like Master Yu and Jin Fu whenever they're on screen together. I do enjoy them in what little bits we get of them. They're pretty funny. You're right. It is like a buddy cop dynamic. Yeah. I feel like they're just there to move the plot along because yes. like, yeah, they, they move pretty quickly. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know why the Rough Rhinos are in this episode at all. Because uh, they don't come back later. Like, I thought maybe they could come back and also fight to try to get Zuko and Iroh to give them, like, a bit more cover. That actually would make a lot of sense now that I'm thinking about it. But yeah, they're, they're just there to move the plot along, but they are pretty funny. Um, but when they stumble on these Fire Nation wanted, post- wanted posters... Uh, they happen to see that Zuko and Iroh are right there at the same time. Uh, they see them walk into the tavern, and they realize that they might be able to strike uh, a nice little deal if they can capture them. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. They see these two people on a wanted poster, and they, they're feeling themselves as benders. They both think of themselves as pretty powerful benders, so they think they could apprehend these two Fire Nation people very easily. Yeah, the one thing that, that like all of this made me think is that there are so many Fire Nation wanted posters, and last week in the Misty Palms Oasis, this is where Aang was doing his airbending, 
Which like makes even less sense if he was doing his airbending with a Fire Nation wanted poster literally right outside. Uh, even worse decision by Aang. Yeah, I guess Aang just doesn't care. He's confident enough <laughs> in his ability to take on any firebender outside of like the Fire Lord and Azula. So That's he just fair. doesn't care. He's very ballsy in that regard. Yeah, I mean, a random NPC, he's going to take out like 20 at a time if he has to. So I think he'll be, I think he'll manage. You're right. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and this is also the problem with hiring a bunch of mercenaries that have no allegiance to you at all and just want money, is if they see an easier score, they're just going to be like, oh, this is a better bounty. We're going to take that instead. Because, like, Toph's father, like, Mr. Beifong or whatever he's called, uh, has got to be upset if he learned that, like, oh, yeah, instead of getting the bounty that you tried to pay him for, they just, like, captured Zuko and Iroh and just, like, dipped. Yeah, but screw him. He's the worst father ever. I hate him. Fair. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. All right. Zach coming out here just uh, (laughs) dropping some hot flame about this Mr. Beifong guy. Well, I mean, he just, he doesn't understand Toph at all. Yeah, I mean, he does suck. Yeah, he's not a good parent in my opinion. Even when he sees her abilities, he still sucks, so. Yeah, exactly. You'd think him, after seeing her earthbend, he'd be more open-minded, but he's not. So then we'll continue here. Aang rejoins the group, and Katara tries to console him, but nothing doing. Aang is, like, so sad in this moment. Uh, yeah. Like, I think his... I, I wrote down roughly what he said. He uh, Like, Katara's like, oh, like, sorry, we just need to, like, focus on getting out of the desert. I know this is, like, hard on you. And Aang, his response is, what's the difference? We won't survive without Appa. We all know it. Which is weird, coming from the kid who could fly out of here if he wanted to. But I guess he's just really, really sad. Yeah, he's just really, really distraught is what it is. Like, yeah. not having Appa with him. And it makes sense, though, if you think about it. Aang has never been separated from Appa his whole life. Aang and Appa yeah. have, like, grown up together, pretty much. He picked Appa out from, like, a litter of sky bison when he was, like, a baby, pretty much, so... Yeah, and and in a world where everyone else you know and are connected to is gone, it's got to be a strong connection you have. So it does make sense, but he's just so, like, inconsolable right now. Uh, Katara's trying to find other advice, uh, goes to Toph. Toph says, no, we're just, like, in a giant vat of sand or something. Giant bowl of sand pudding is what she said. What imagery right there. I know, yeah. What what a way with words Toph has. Yeah. Continue. Uh, and then Katara asks Sokka, and Sokka's like, why don't we ask these birds up top? And I kind of wanted to know, are these birds real, or are we seeing Sokka's illusion? No, I think they re- they're real. Weren't they like the buzzard wasp from earlier, or from later in the episode? Wasn't it those? Oh, That's what it was. There connection. was a couple of those flying around over Sokka's head. So they actually were, Damn. this isn't Sokka hallucinating, these are real birds, or buzzard wasp to be ex- i think is the two animal combination there zach look at you correct me right on air I mean, spot on thank I, you I very mean, much i'm thank not trying to correct i'm not trying i'm just I, that, I, that that was my interpretation no 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 you are like totally right as soon as you said it i was like oh yeah of course that's the connection why did i not think of that earlier so uh <laughs> yeah um anyway katara is super motivated here katara is like no we are not dying here we are not gonna do this like let's hold hands and get out of here yeah she takes oh go on yeah katara is the mvp of this episode sorry to interrupt easily yeah she's the mvp she takes command and she decides that they're getting out of there by any means necessary yeah 
Um, so she takes Aang's staff, I think, and then Aang's holding Toph's hand, Toph's holding Sokka's hand, Sokka's just laughing his way off, and Momo is being pulled by his tail, who's trying to fly in the other direction. This lemur is high. <laughs> yeah, Momo and Sokka, like, they, they couldn't get this high even if they smoked that brambleberry kush. exactly Um, then they get to a stopping point uh, after walking a bit they all are just so exhausted they're asking for a little bit of extra water it's just the last bit Momo goes and just jumps over it all uh, and like tries to get some of it causing the rest of it to fall in the sand and Sokka just like tries to get his Oscar right here saying Momo no you killed us all (laughs) Yeah, that was hilarious. Honestly, because then Momo jumps through like the bubble of water and it all goes on the floor. Yeah. But then, yep. of course, Katara can just bend it up. And then- <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. And Katara's like, no, I can bend. Like, what? Like, what? <laughs> it was just so funny that, uh, that, yeah, Katara's like, what are you talking about? Like, we're fine. Um, even funnier is then, like, the next sequence here is, uh, is, uh, Katara asking, like, Hey Sokka, can I see the stuff that you've taken from the library? And Sokka's like, "What? I, I had nothing. Like, it's like someone who was caught. That's like an eight-year-old whose kid, uh, whose hand was caught in the cookie jar, and they're old enough to know it's wrong, but like not good enough to have a convincing lie. And they're you can just see right through them that they're just totally lying." Yeah, and then he goes up to Momo and he's like, it was you! You ratted me out! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's poor Momo. Buddy who's also tripping, so... <laughs> yeah, poor Momo. Momo's really getting uh, the brunt of it here with Sokka's, like, high obsession. Um, th- this this is a, a questionable story, but, you know, uh, whatever. I had a friend uh, who, you know, might have had a little cactus juice himself, um, and he told me that the me version of me on, from the Wii, like, you know, when you make a Wii game, yeah, you can, like, yeah, make yeah, a yeah. Me. so everyone in the apartment in college made like a me version of themselves. He told me that the me version of myself was chasing him around all day. And that when he saw the me version of me again, he was going to attack it and take it down. Uh, I want you to, after the podcast, tell me what was he actually on instead of cactus juice? Because I want, <laughs> oh no, what kind of drug your roommate was doing where he was imagining a me chasing him around and attacking him. He, so then we were like walking to go get some food. Uh, because, you know, like Sokka is right now, he was like really wanting some food and drink. So we were walking to get some food and he told me, he was like, be careful. Don't go behind that mailbox. Your me is standing right behind it, ready to attack us. <laughs> I was like, what? It's so funny because me's are like the least intimidating thing ever, I feel like. I don't know if anyone has a Nintendo Wii or, or has had one in the past. But yeah, well, they're just these little like cartoon characters, basically. They're not intimidating the slightest. So that's hilarious. You know, not one bit. I did make my me a little bit intimidating because I gave him angry eyebrows. Which I did the same would- for mine. <laughs> per- of course you <laughs> did. That's why we're friends. Um, he would like, yeah, that's why he told me that mine was intimidating was because it had the angry eyebrows. Anyway, uh, I have been at least my me version of me was uh, the brunt of someone um, just like Sokka takes Momo here. That's the connection. <laughs> but anyway, funny story. <laughs> 
I don't know where to go on from here, honestly. Just I'm yeah, just imagining the me version of you just chasing your homie around. <laughs> I mean, the me version of me is like not very tall because all the me's are short. So it's like, I don't know, some cartoon little thing in like a blue shirt. Like you can't run. Anyway, it can't, a me's like the least intimidating thing. Uh, anyway, back to the episode. Um, they're trying to like find the bag and look through the scrolls and Aang is just so like despondent almost. He's just like so sad. He's just like, none of this matters. Nothing's going to lead us to where Appa is. Like there's no hope, uh, which really is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Aang is just a Debbie Downer this whole episode, sadly. Usually he's the optimistic one. And I know know. that's why they did it is because like they're showing that without Appa here, without his rock, uh, he's kind of like out of whack. He doesn't really know what to do. And he is kind of in disarray as he's like mourning the loss of Appa, which is mourning the loss of anything that connected him to his old self. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it's that's a, a good lot way of sadness of, here. For that's me. a very, that's a very good way of putting it, Jacob. I agree completely. Yeah. Well, um, next thing we see is Katara coming up with an idea, uh, as a, uh, ambulance <laughs> rushes by, to try to save Sokka, uh, who needs some water. <laughs> nice. Nice connection there. Uh, anyway, Katara is trying to use the maps to get the stars to guide her. This is some, like, A-plus navigation here. Have you ever tried to do this where you, like, try to navigate with the stars? I'm a city slicker. I don't see too many okay. stars out and about, so I've never tried to navigate with the stars before myself. What about you? That's fair. Uh, one time I was like out hiking with some like friends. We were at some like uh, camp and we went on a hike and then we were like, we had a compass and we were like, oh, let's get rid of it and let's navigate with the stars and like try to get back using the North Star. Terrible idea. It's way hard. Like, I don't know how people on ships did this. Like, no, d- don't use like a phone, use a compass. Like the stars are too hard. This is your last resort. Like you have to be as desperate as Qatar to use the stars. No, facts, facts. So then we cut back to Iroh and Zuko, and then Iroh walks, so they walk into the bar, uh, bar, I think it is. It was. Is it that same Fruit Ninja bar? Is that what it yes, is? Yes, it is the Fruit Ninja <laughs> okay, bar. Okay, there we I, go. I believe it's called the Misty Oasis is the real the name. The Misty Oasis, okay. I, I like the Fruit Ninja bar I like. I better. like it more, too. <laughs> there we go. But then, yeah, so Iroh decides to play Paisho with an old man, and then he play, he puts down a white lotus chip. And then the older gentleman says, not many still cling to the ancient ways. And they end up playing Pai Show, but I have playing in quotation marks in my notes because they just end up making a lotus symbol on the table. That can't be how to play Pai Show, right? Isn't it oh, like... no, no, no. Not not at all. Like, we've seen Iroh play Pai Show with other people, and, like, it looks more like chess Checkers than this. Or chess? Or like che- chess? Chess? One of the two... Like, you're taking pieces away from each other, so... Yeah, yeah these sure. guys aren't even played. They're just making it a lotus no. symbol. And and this is like supposedly like some sort of code. Uh, you know, they're using the lotus symbol and the guise of the game to show the code. But like as they're doing this, it's like not that hard to discern the code. I, like I feel like someone could fake it. No? Yeah, I agree. And then but then again, they have the super long password to get into their establishment so then we'll get into that because then zuko's like i thought you said he would help and then iroh's like he is because then jin fu and you come in 
And then they start a fight. They're like, hey, you want a bounty? We want you. They want the bounty. And then what ends up happening is this White Lotus Society member is like, hey, everyone, these guys want to, there's a bounty here on these two. And then it just starts a whole bar fight. Even though Jin Fu and you actually run roughshod over everybody, they wreck every single other bounty hunter pretty easily. Yeah, they absolutely wreck him. And this is exactly what Master Yu said was going to happen. He's like, he literally, right before Jin Fu says, like, hey, let's take him right now. Master Yu's like, no, no, no. If we, if everyone knows we're going to get a bounty, we're going to have to fight everyone. Literally, that's exactly what happens. He's exactly right. But the important question I have for you, Zach, is what is the biggest mismatch? Uncle Iroh and Zuko against the Rough Rhinos or Jin Fu and Master Yu against the Misty Palms crew? Hmm, honestly, I would have to say Jin Fu and you and the Misty Palms crew, like, they just okay. destroy them. Like, at one point, I, is Jin Fu, who's, the, so Jin Fu is like the, he's not the ma- master you. So Jin Fu, at one point, he's pissed off. He just, like, earthbends at the end, and then, because they lose Zuko and Iroh, and he, like, kicks this poor dude, he, like, earthbends <laughs> like, like a pillar and just knocks this bounty hunter out of the whole building. So, I don't know, they're both huge mismatches, but. It's it's so it's a toss up, but yeah, they just destroyed every other bounty hunter with relative ease. Yeah, that's true, and they're definitely fighting more people. Like at one point, I'm pretty sure uh, Jin Fu kicks two people at once uh, while like throwing another and like stuffing another in the face. Like he's fighting four people at a single time. It's like it's very impressive. True. It's crazy yeah. how Toph was able to beat him so easily. Or is that Toph is able to escape from these guys so easily, that's, too? That's true. I mean, Toph is, like, clearly, clearly better. Uh, but, yeah, like, as you as you said earlier, um, you know, they are able to get away. Zuko and Iroh, while the fight's going on, sneak out the little back entrance. Uh, Jin Fu and Yu realize that they have gotten out. And, yeah, we get this person just, like destroyed some random like npc sandbender just like has his night ruined as he just like flies out of a window yeah he just gets earth bent the f out of there holy (laughs) yeah that's rough uh then we cut back to katara Sokka, Toph, and ang uh they're trying to get ready katara's like rousing people up uh, and as they do, like, um, they're kind of like talking. Uh, one thing that Toph says is that she, her yesterday, her mouth tastes like mud today. It's sand and she misses the taste of mud. Have you ever had your mouth taste like mud and have you ever missed it? I don't think I've ever had my mouth taste like mud. And if I did, I don't think I'd ever miss it. I don't even think I know what sand tastes like, to be honest. Oh, really? I feel like I know what sand tastes like, because you'll, like, go to a beach or something, and then, like, it blows in your face, and then you have just, like, sand all in your mouth. Yeah, I haven't been to a beach in a minute, so maybe I've had sand in my mouth before, but it's been many moons since then. Well, when when I lived in Texas, uh, people would be obsessed with going to, like, these really crummy beaches. Like, they were not nice beaches at all, but people loved going. So, like, we'd have, like, a choir trip. Uh, and like people would love to go to this beach and it was always just so gross anyway <laughs> it was windy and so all the time you just like be out on the beach and then you just get sand in your mouth and just like blech Ugh, so nasty. anyway i didn't miss the taste of mud but i did miss the taste of not sand well there so, you go halfway there 
So then what happens is Aang can fly high enough to some cloud that look there's oh a cloud pops up that looks like Appa. And then Aang's like it's like, oh, there's Appa, but then it just turns out it's a cloud. And then Katara, again, use it Katara really on point this episode, because Sokka's tripping off cactus juice, so Katara has to be the brains <laughs> of the operation. So then Katara's like, Hey Aang, can you fly high enough to bend uh water out of that cloud? And Aang's able to do it. Well, it's crazy to me. Clouds are pretty high in the sky. Like, how high can Ang fly? That's, like, pretty damn high. That's, like, airplane well, height. Is that not? Yeah, I mean, clouds can fly as high as 30,000 feet or something like that. But I think that they, like, there are some low clouds. And so, like, maybe the low clouds are, like, I don't know, 2,000 feet or something. Actually, sorry, I'm about to co-op this into something, like, totally different. But I have a take okay. and I have to, like, okay, get it Okay, yeah, off yeah, there. get it off your chest. <laughs> All right. Um, so I live in Chicago. Okay. There's a place called Devil's Lake in Wisconsin. Um, and I've seen some people with some sweatshirts that are like Devil's Lake and then they have like the height of it. But the height of Devil's Lake is 1300 feet. So they're bragging about a place that's 1300 feet. And I would like to officially ban anything from saying the elevation unless it's over 10,000 feet. If not, it's just not impressive. I don't care that your thing is 1,300 feet up off the ground. That's nothing. I, I, I'm just shocked that you're passionate about this like mundane like fact from Devil's Lake. I saw a sweatshirt with someone wearing it, and I thought about saying something. And then the next day, I saw a runner like running by with a Devil's Lake thing. With the same like elevation, do you just live I, near Devil's Lake? Is that why? Um, it's like a few hours away. It's like close-ish, but okay. I like I got so upset I almost stopped him running to say like, "Hey, why does it have the height on that?" Before I realized that like uh, that that he just doesn't care what I think. But anyway, I would like uh, to ban maybe five thousand feet. If it's not five thousand feet, it should not have a height. Okay, well, well, I'll move on from the elevation talk then, because I don't know if Aang flies 5,000 feet in the air. So then yeah, so it's not worth talking about, I guess. <laughs> exactly, it's not worth talking about. So then Aang comes down with some water, not a lot though, and then Katara's like, oh, is that it? And then Aang's like, it's a desert cloud, I did all I could. And poor Aang, just, or poor Katara, just Aang kind of bites her head off for no reason here. She doesn't do anything wrong, she just comments on the fact that it's not that much water. Yeah, and I think that she was commenting on there's not much water in the cloud and not that Aang was inefficient. Like, it looked yeah, like exactly. Aang did a fine job. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. She wasn't why. commenting on Aang's poor yeah. performance at all. I did learn a fun fact earlier today. Uh, I probably should have said this instead of the elevation thing. But uh, <laughs> did you know that clouds are 1.1 million pounds? Like, that's how much they can weigh? Really? A cloud can weigh 1.1 million pounds? I think Is that's that like, like a 500,000 kilograms or something. No, I, I, I understand that, but that's a lot. I did not know clouds could weigh. Is that like a type of cloud? Like a storm cloud weighs that much? Yeah, I think something like that. I saw this on TikTok, so like, I don't know. <laughs> Take it with a uh, grain I did of Google salt. it myself. Oh, I Googled it myself, but okay, I don't know okay. what kind of cloud it was. I didn't go that deep. Um, but yeah, 1.1 million pounds. That's a lot. No, that's an insane amount, honestly. Yeah. Anyway, so probably enough water to fill up a pouch. Yeah, no facts. And then, so, Toph finds something that can float on water because she kicks something on the floor and then she realizes it's a boat. Or, and, and not a boat, but it's one of the gliders that the sandbenders use, actually. So, Yeah, and it's so funny when she kicks this because she's like, she's so tired of not knowing what she's doing. 
and then she's like, what idiot buried a boat in the middle of a desert? <laughs> Which is just like, I love the disdain she has from someone she'll never meet. That's how much disdain I have for the person that put elevation on the Devil's Lake sweatshirt. <laughs> They're so passionate about this Devil's Lake thing. Like, honestly, who, I mean... Who cares about these people and their 1,300 feet in the air devil's it's like? It's just but. not impressive. Just put nothing there. Like, because you know how, like, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'll, <laughs> this is the last thing I'll say. So, you know how there's, like, it says devil's lake, and then under it, there's usually, like, an established or, like, elevation or something. Like, you don't need to have that. You only need to have that when there's a fun fact. It's like, if there's a fun fact, put it on there. If there's no fun fact, leave it blank. Or, like, put a flower. No, nah, you're you're right. I'm not I'm not arguing with it. They should have just put something else, but yeah, it's just something weird. It's a weird thing to be so <laughs> huzzah about like you are, but it's all good. Well, I will take this take to my grave. <laughs> um anyway, Toph kicks this boat. Uh she says, like, yeah, no, I know it's a boat. I kicked it hard enough. I felt the vibrations. Guitar quickly surmises that this is one of the same gliders that the people uh like the sand people use. Um and it has a compass, which I guess is helpful. Uh, so they use it to get out of there. And the, the plan is that Aang is going to shoot a breeze. They're going to use Aang's airbending for the sail so they don't have to wait until the day. They're going to make it out. Uh, so huzzah. Some hope. Huzzah indeed. And then we cut back to Iroh and Zuko. And Iroh is being asked a question in the back room. The question is, who knocks at the garden gate? It's one of those, like, it's in every TV show where there's, like, the slit above the door. And then, yeah, it's like, who knocks at the garden gate? And then Iroh's answer, the password, is one who has eaten its fruit and tasted its mysteries. That's a long-ass password for something, is it not? That is a long password. And it also, like, makes no sense. Uh, Like, it just... It's so nonsensical. When I like uh, started at my job, I was told I needed to create a password that's like three random words that have no connection to each other. Okay. It feels like someone got like a bunch of random words that has no connections to each other as this uh, like login. It's just like a Garden of Eden reference that's going over my head. One who has eaten its fruit and tasted its mysteries. I don't know what that means. Maybe, maybe, uh, like, yeah, I guess maybe it is a Garden of Eden reference, like, tasted the forbidden fruit, but I, I don't think so. Like, it could, if someone told me it was, I'd be like, yeah, sure, but I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I, I uh, have no idea. The, the funny thing here is that even though, like, Iroh's supposedly, like, a very high-ranking member of the Order of the White Lotus, uh, Zuko is not. Zuko's apparently not even an initiate. And when Uncle Iroh goes in, Zuko is left out there, uh, which really causes uh, Zuko to just be a little annoyed. Yeah, Zuko just has to wait outside, which kind of sucks. It's like it's like when you're a kid and your your parents are like at the store, like going somewhere, and you just like wait for them to shop while you're just sitting somewhere in the store. It's kind of boring, especially because you don't know how long it's going to be. Exactly. When you're a kid, you're just like, well, I guess this is my life forever. I'm just always going to be waiting outside of a store now. Um, yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely rough. right. I have a question. Where, what's the next scene here? My notes are out of order. So The the next scene here is, yeah, so I can uh, lead us in. Katara Perfect. is back on the, uh, like, the sail. Um, they're in the desert. They see, like, they're going actually pretty fast. And as they're, like, going past a little hill, we see, like, um... Or, yeah, so I guess the first thing is Katara says, like, oh, this place is not pointing north. 
Um, and as they get closer, they see it's like a gigantic rock, uh, and yes, that it's made of metal. So it's like the magnetic center of the desert. Toph is stoked that there's a rock so she can finally see a little bit. Yeah. 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 Toph gets to see clearly now that the rain has gone. So that's good for her. <laughs> um, so that song, you know, it's like, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Right? Yeah. Like those are the lyrics. My mom, until she was like, 30 something thought the lyrics were i can see clearly now the rain is gone i can see all icicles in my way <laughs> thinking that they're just like rogue icicles ready to get her like i i was alive when she finally figured out that it was obstacles not icicles nah, my mom has some crazy things like that too my mom told do you know the singer seal yeah my mom told me the cuts on seal's face were because he was from some African tribe that like cuts your face or whatever when you're a kid. And it turns out seal just has a skin condition. So my whole life until very recently, I believe that seal had like cuts on his face. And I was like, I felt so bad for poor old seal. And it turns out he just has a skin condition. And he's perfectly fine. So shout out my mom for leading me astray for so long. That's one of the funny things, because, like, that would... It probably never comes up. Like, I don't know why you would mention that ever to someone, and then, like, one day you just find it out, and you're like, oh, I was wrong the whole time, and yeah. never would have known. Yeah, I looked it up one day, and I was like, yeah, and I was older, too, because my mom told me this when I was a kid, and I, I learned about this when I was, like, in my 20s, so... Wow, that's wild. Yeah, I, there are still things that I don't know yet, and like when I find them out, it's going to be so mind blowing at this point. Like I'm scared. If I get <laughs> this passionate about learn. the Devil's Lake, then I'm very <laughs> worried. My reaction when I like my whole world has changed. Actually, I did have something like this. Do you know the phrase like something is cordoned off? No, I've never heard cordoned like, off. Like James cordoned off. Like what do you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is like James cordoned off, but it's like. Like, uh, like if you're like roping something off, you'd be like, oh, I'm cordoning it off. Like, okay. Well, anyway, I thought the expression was cornered off, which makes as much sense as cordoned off in my head. And when I found out that I was using it wrong, cause I was like typing up an email at work and I like it, I got some like red bar. So I Googled it and then realized it was cordoned off. It blew my mind and it ruined my afternoon. So <laughs> watch out. Well, there you go. Yeah. So we'll continue with Avatar here. Wow, wow, we've gone all over the place this episode. Honestly, I mean, it's, well, we're not too long. You know, we we can we can avoid we can go like down the desert pathway, be a little lost before getting our magnetic. That's true because this is podcast. No, you're right. That that's a good point because we're not going to go too long on this episode. I don't think it's going to be more than an hour and a half. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, it'll be all right. And the people right now can see in their timestamps how long it's going to be. They'll know if they want to keep listening. The real ones will listen to the the random crap. And hopefully, you know what? Write in. Tell me the things that you learned way too late. I would love to know these stories. I would, or Actually, I would love to know what you learned way too late. And I would li like to know what makes you irrationally angry. If anyone wants to write in and tell me, uh, we can read it next week on the pod. Please and is do it Avatar in. at Post Show Recaps? Avatar at Post Show Recaps. Or you can tweet me. I would love this. This would actually make my week if people started telling me stuff they learned too late or made them irrationally angry. Yeah. So then, you know, that, that's true. I'd love to read it as well. So, yeah, send in any random mundane thoughts you guys have. We love the feedback on it. Hang in yeah. there. So, we'll, uh, we'll continue here. So, then what happens is they end up going on the rock. And the rock has a bunch of holes in it. 
And then, so they end up like caves pretty much. So then they end up walking through one of these caves and then Sokka sees like what looks like honey on the wall. So he just grabs a gob of it and starts licking his head. (laughs) Katara is so angry. She's like, you've been hallucinating on cactus juice all day. And then you just lick something random off the wall. (laughs) And Sokka's like, what can I say? I have a natural curiosity. Yeah, it's it's like all kinds of annoying that Sokka's first reaction is like, oh, let me start licking this. Like, uh, no, 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 you cannot be doing that. Um, but anyway, uh, these caves are scary. Like, you could not pay me to go into these caves. They look very frightening. And Toph, like, she's like, oh, something's buzzing. Something's coming for us. This isn't a normal cave. As soon as I hear that, I am bolting the other way. When Toph says... Uh, that there's buzzing in here. I'm literally turning 180 degrees and sprinting out of that cave. Well, that's what they do. They they sprint out, right? Yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't have gone in the first place. This is scary. Yeah. Uh, but what we see is we see all these buzzard wasps, which Zach uh, like intelligently pointed out were the the circle birds we saw earlier. We saw these buzzard wasps roll up. Uh, they all exit. They start to like sort of attack. Um, they're probably just scared, though. Like, I don't actually think they want to attack that much. But one of them happens to grab Momo, which is just not good for that poor, poor buzzard. Yeah, poor, poor buzzard indeed, because we're skipping ahead a little bit. But then Aang hunts down this buzzard wasp that takes Momo and, like, annihilates it. Like, I'm pretty sure Aang kills this buzzard wasp. Uh, 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, so but before we get that, like, we have Toph, uh, who's not able to see in the air. So she sends a rock, like, guessing, I guess, and almost knocks Sokka's head off, which I think is funny. And she's just like, sorry, I can't tell where they are in the air, uh, which is funny. But then, yeah, they steal Momo. And after they steal Momo, Aang's like, I'm not losing anyone else, and just glides off full-on pissed. Uh, Ends up killing this bug. Zach, are you the type of person to kill a bug? No, I don't kill any bugs. I capture them and let them out the window. So I'm a little pacifistic in that, or pacifist in that regard. What about yourself? No, I, uh, I try my hardest not to kill a bug. Um, yeah, I, yeah, you know, I've got time, nothing but time. Uh, You know what I do? I kill mosquitoes. Mosquitoes are the only bugs I kill. I don't like mosquitoes, but, uh, they also don't like me, which is nice. You know, I've got, you're lucky. You must have like a blood type or something that mosquitoes are not attracted to. Yeah. I think I've got some like bitter blood or something. Like it's an acquired taste because the mosquitoes just like don't come for me. Uh, and like my sister will get eaten up. I've got some friends that'll just get like absolutely eaten. And I'm just like, I'm fine. There's a few of them, but I don't know. Do mosquitoes like you? Yeah, they do. But it's also sucks because I'm living at my mom's house now. We don't have screens on like half the windows in the, mm. in the house for some reason. So a lot of mosquitoes come. I mean, luckily it's not mosquito season yet. So. Yeah. Not too many, but oh well, what can you are, do? Are there mosquitoes like uh in Canada? I felt like it's pretty far north. Like I felt like mosquitoes. Yes, there's were still more mosquitoes in Canada. I mean, I I wish there were no mosquitoes in Canada, <laughs> but they do exist, sadly. We're not that far north. I'm still relatively close because all the Canadian metropolises are like close to the Canadian American border, basically. So we're not that's that that's far fair. north. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Well, maybe you can move, I don't know, a North City in Canada. Sorry. I don't know. My Canadian geography is not great. Yellow maybe you can knife. move there and then get rid of the uh, the mosquitoes. Yeah, just move to like the Arctic pretty much. That's yeah. like Northern Canada. Exactly. <laughs> I bet there would not be a single mosquito and that it would just be miserable. <laughs> but uh, yeah. 
Anyway, uh, what we see here is pretty clever. Uh, so Katara starts to like guide Toph. And uh, whenever like she like points her in the right direction, she's like, okay, fire. Toph picks up some rocks, shoots them forward, knocks the like little wasps out of the air. Pretty smart here. It's uh, it's a lot better than Sokka's plan, which is to guess where he is swinging his machete. Essentially, just like swinging in the air near nothing. Yeah, what was Sokka doing here? Was he still tripping off cactus juice? But because then Katara's like Sokka, there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a little bit residual cactus juice. It's got to be. Yeah, and then I I do I agree with you. I like the, how Katara's like using Toph like a gun and basically aiming her in certain directions. Yeah, it's a pretty good gun. Uh, you know, you got like one of the most talented Earthbenders, and you're just like, all right, go. Um, and yeah, we see this a few times actually. This uh, this maneuver is pretty good. Um, yep. Yeah, we we have a little bit more fighting here, but nothing worth uh, discussing. We have we go back to Zuko and Uncle Iroh. Um, they're gonna now go to bossing say Zuko's a little bit confused he's like why are we gonna go to the earth kingdom capital like we don't want to go there uh, and Iroh says like uh, you know it's safe from the fire nation even I couldn't get through the city uh, which we know um, we've seen a few times now yeah no and that's Iroh's just spitting facts right here it's true it's like the one place where that's, that's safe from the fire nation even though Azula's gonna try to shake that up a little bit in a couple of episodes, but yeah, Bossing Sane is like the safest place in the Avatar world from the Fire Nation. Yeah, it probably is true. It's a lot safer than the Misty Palms Oasis, as Master Yu and Jinfu are looking for Iroh and Zuko. Uh, the White Lotus, uh, like, rando walks up and is like, I, <laughs> I'm ready to go, like, these people are ready, but there's two people looking for them, and Jinfu just, like, is interrogating people, uh, trying to find where they are. So they, they got to be able to sneak out. Um, then we got back to the Avatar gang. Uh, they're confronted by a bunch of sandbenders as the sandbenders are saying, like, what are you doing with one of the sandbender sailors? Like, I think that you've probably stolen it. Uh, and I don't think that this is going to hit the ears of Aang very well, uh, especially as Aang's already upset that the, uh, that his bison was stolen. Yeah, and then right after that, Toph Rex says she recognizes the son of the sat- main said this. So there's like this head sandbender, then his kid, and then she she said she recognizes the son's voice and that he's the one who stole Appa. Then Appa goes in, or Ang goes into a fit of rage. He's like, "You stole Appa!" and destroys their glider, so they have no way of getting out of the desert. Yeah, um, you know, Ang's first response is like, "You stole my glider." Uh, the kid's like, no, you're lying. And he's just like, okay, fine. One of your sailors is going to be blasted by the air. And then he's like, where's my bison? And then he destroys another. Like, this man is attacking, like, quite a lot. Poor sandbenders are not going to have, like, a lot of stuff after this. Yeah, but I guess they deserve it for stealing the bison. Like, well, he, only, the- he, he only reacts when he hears that they stole Appa. That's when he destroys their glider, so I kind of get it. Or their Yeah, but it's whatever. just a little kid that stole him. Like, it's like a teen little little kid, not like, uh, it wasn't like the sandbenders got together and they're like, let's steal it. But I, I see what you mean. Yeah, but then this teen, I mean, he needs to pay for what he did, to be honest. So All right, yeah. Um, we cut back to Uncle Iroh and Zuko in the Misty Palms Oasis. Jinfu and Yu are now interrogating the White Lotus, uh, like, flower shop type area. 
Um, they're saying like, oh, I think the people are here. Like we know about your back room. So we're going to like investigate that. And there's no one in there. Uh, Master Yu then picks up the white lotus tile and is like, oh no, some poor person has an incomplete pie show, pie show <laughs> set, which I thought was very funny. I agree. I like Master Yu. He's got some funny like one-liners. Yeah, he's better than Shin Fu. Uh, but yeah. then they decide, okay, let's go back to trying to find Toph. Uh, and as they're like leaving, we then switch to Zuko and Iroh, who have snuck out in, t- in uh, some giant flower pots, and we see them like pop their he- pop their heads up like a classic cartoon type of gag. Yeah, I like, and I like that gag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we go back to Team Avatar, where Aang is just like ready to attack. He's very upset here, and this reminds me a lot of Anakin Skywalker in Attack of the Clones when he just like starts attacking the the little uh, Jawas in, in that uh, in that episode. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember Attack of the Clones that well. I, I've got to watch the prequels you. again. <laughs> you lucky yeah. that that episode uh, or that movie is garbage. Um, but yeah, Anakin like has a a moment where he like goes and he just like kills a bunch of sand people for like uh, hurting his mom. That's Spoilers not when he kills the young. That's not when he kills the younglings, right? That's no, a that's different the next time. movie. Okay, he does a lot of bad stuff. He's he's kind of an evil person. Again, yeah. that's actually a huge spoiler. So, uh, hope oh, you've seen Star Wars. Sorry. Well, I mean, don't don't hurt yourself and watch the prequels. They're pretty bad, anyways. I mean, who's seen Avatar The Last Airbender and not Star Wars, though? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I feel like there's okay. people who haven't seen... I, 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 for many years, had not seen Star Wars. I only saw them that, very recently. That's so. fair. I'm not trying to ostracize our listeners. If you haven't seen <laughs> Star Wars and have seen Avatar, please keep listening. You're still welcome. You're not as bad as the Devil's Lake guy. If that person is a listener, you can stop listening. I, I'm, oh, I take it back. Actually, so you're just you're angry at the guy wearing the shirt. You're just mad at no, him. No, no. You should be the mad person who made the shirt. Who 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 is the? I'm not mad at the person who's wearing it. I'm mad at whoever it was. I don't know. It was a man. It could have been. Uh, I have to assume only this amount of idiocy would come from a man. But uh, I'm mad at the person who made the shirt. So if oh, you wore okay, it, you're fine. It. If you made it, get out of here. Yeah, well, Aang is almost as angry as Jacob is in this scene because he goes into the Avatar state after he learning that the Sandbenders stole Appa, and he's like starts floating in the air, and then Toph, uh, Sokka just like run, just get out of here, and then Katara stays with like a sad look on her face, and then she grabs Aang's hand and is luckily able to get him out of the Avatar state, and yeah, then they embrace, and the episode ends. Who knew that you could hug someone out of the Avatar state? Uh, very impressive here from Katara. She's seen this a few times before, but here she really puts herself at risk. She really goes out there and like puts herself on the line to try to calm Aang down. And here we see Aang like his like uh, yeah his anger kind of fades away, and we just see his sadness as he cries. And this was an episode which doesn't end in a bad way, but is very like heart heartbreaking in a way yeah no it is it is you just see ang's emotions pour out as he cries into katara's shoulder and like i said earlier katara is just like the mature rock of the group this episode she really is the mvp of the gang this episode for sure she really is uh yeah she she does everything right this episode very impressive there um yeah that's all that's that's all she wrote what are your thoughts zach 
I enjoyed this episode, honestly. And talking it through, because you were quite low on the episode. I don't know. Have your thoughts changed or you just still hung up about the Devil's Lake, man, to even think about <laughs> episode rankings? Like, what's up with you? You know, I did not like this episode on a rewatch. I think this episode is fine when you're watching it in a binge because, you know, you watch The Library, which is a good episode. You watch The Desert, which is like essentially just like a holding pattern. And then you get a totally new thing. You get the whole Bossing Say Chronicles with the Serpent's Pass and getting there. And you get stuff that I really like. And I feel like this episode is right in the middle place. The library just happened. Serpent's Pass is next up. And here is just like, nothing's really happening. The intro started fine, but I just didn't get anything from it. I did like talking about it. This made made it higher. It's not going to be the score that I like originally messaged you, Zach. I'll be a little bit higher on it. But I didn't like it a ton. I don't know. Like, Zach, am I off base here? Was it good? No, you're not. It, it kind of drags at points. I think the comedy is pretty good in this episode, but the actual plot itself is not that good. And, the, like, the stakes for them getting out of the desert are, like, technically high, but they never feel that high. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I of mean, course, they could die in the desert, but you never get that vibe. So, yeah. And I feel like you're right. This episode on a rewatch is not as good. Yeah, they they could die in the desert, but, like, they also could have had, like, I don't know, some firebenders killed them, and, like, I was never really worried about that happening, so the stakes were pretty low, but, you know what, this is a good time, let's get into our episode rankings, let's let's go ahead and rank this among the uh, Avatar episodes of past. I think that this could be our lowest rated episode, only because we weren't as brutal on Bado of the Water Tribe as we were, like, uh, as we, like, came to later be. Um, yeah, I, 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 I want to go back in time and I, I think I give Bato a 2.4. That should have just been a zero in hindsight. But. <laughs> a zero. <laughs> or not a zero, like a one. Because then yeah. now, like every time I grade something, I compare it. To, it's like if I'm grading a bad episode, I compare it to that. And this episode for me is not that bad. So I'm going to give it a 2.8 out of four, which is I give Bato a 2.4, which is my lowest mm-hmm. score to date. So I'm going to give this episode a two point, you know, a two point eight five. Let's do it. Okay, two point eight five. You know, I uh, yeah, that that works for me. The listeners, do you know, didn't mind this episode. The listeners thought I was all right at a three point two one. Not too bad. Uh, I'm the lowest of the three. I'm not so so high in the episode. I'm at a two point five. Uh, I think this episode is passing only if it asks nicely. It really would have to <laughs> beg to pass a class of mine. Uh, this episode is going to be at a 2.85 for the episode. Zach's apparently right in the middle there. Uh, there you go. That is our episode rankings. Yeah, so where do you want to go to next? Do you want to do our T-Quartet this week since we actually have one? Or uh, let's, do you I think t- that we have to do some Battle of the Battle rankings. Uh, oh, yeah, facts. Yep. The battles are not battles that I think of highly, but they happen. So, yeah, let's uh, let's rank those. Let's first start with Uncle Iroh, uh, Zuko versus the Rough Rhinos. This battle to me was, like, pretty good, uh, actually. Like, I, I think that it was, like, fun to watch. I like the Rough Rhinos as a group. I think Uncle Iroh makes some good jokes before fighting them. Uh, I like Uncle Iroh's fighting, but it is so one-sided. Uh, this, uh, this battle's over within a second. And that really is going to hold it back for me. Uh, I'm giving it a 3.1, and it's kind of a pity 3.1, just because I like the lore. Zach, where are you? I'm in the same boat. I'm giving a 3 out of 4, which is not a bad score. It's 75%, so... Yeah. 3 out of 4. But it's just like, 
they just win so easily. But it is cool. I do like the fighting techniques, but it's also just like a forgettable fight at the end of the day. So I'm at a three out of four here. So for sure, uh, I agree. Uh, last one. Let's do the uh, the one with Master Yu and Jin Fu versus the Misty Palms crew. Uh, you know, it rhymes, so it's got to be good. <laughs> But it's uh, actually you'd not. You'd be surprised. I don't know why. I just lied to you. It's not that good. Uh, this uh, this fight is like over within a second. Uh, you know, I think it's like a two point four. Uh, personally, I'm uh, giving it a two. It's a good. I'm giving two? this a two. Yeah, a two out of four. Because it's very right. forgettable. I do yeah. like it when he shoots the Earthbender out. Like that's, that's that's not part of the fight. That's like yeah. <laughs> a scene afterwards. So that's just like a little yeah. gag in the in the episode afterwards. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Well, if you uh, agree with our ratings, great. If you don't, uh, even better, you can write into avatar at postshowrecaps.com and give us your ratings for the episodes and for the battles, zero to four cabbages. You can tell us if the episodes are entering the avatar state or if they're as bad as the Devil's Lake elevation. I'm hung All up right. on this. I shouldn't have said this on the podcast because this actually made me really mad. And I feel like now it's going to be a bit, but I like, I actually was. When did this happen to you? You just saw this yesterday or uh, I saw this. Yeah. So I saw this Saturday afternoon and then again okay. today. So it's, it's really okay. uh, weighing okay. on my mind right now and it's fresh. So, you know, next week I won't talk about it once. <laughs> I bet. Okay. So <laughs> where are we off to next year? T quartet or. Uh, yeah, let's do the T Quartet. You know, we had some great suggestions written in, uh, by Marley. Thank you so much for writing in with those suggestions. And there was one that caught our eye and we were like, let's just do it right now. Like, let's, uh, let's go for it. That is going to be Pokemon. We got Ash, Misty, Brock, and Pikachu. Do you have a good Pikachu impression, by the way? No, my voice is too deep to do the Pikachu. Can you do it? <laughs> uh, I mean, I can try. It's not be good. Pikachu! <laughs> no, that was terrible. Uh, Kudos said, you know what? I'll try just because you tried. Pikachu! Like, see, that was horrible too. So <laughs> that's great. Oh, man. All right. Well, well, that was fun. Anyway, that's what we're going to be doing. The T-Quartet, we're going to be sorting people into their bending classes. We have fire, water, earth, air, and we will tell you who out of these four belong in which one. Where do you want to start? I don't think there's all four here, so we're going to have to kind of squeeze a little bit, but Let's get things started. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to start with uh, Misty, and she will be, and you're going to disagree with me here, but I have Misty as my firebender. I think she's the most firebender-like out of this group. Like, if you're looking at the four of them, I think Misty by far is, like, the only one who displays any firebending traits at all. Yeah, I just think that, like, Misty, I know she gets angry. I know she does. But I also think that she's the type of person who's always changing. Like, she's the one who's versatile. No one else really is, like, that versatile well, person. Well, Ash, Ash changes throughout the many series that the he has on. growth. He has growth of the series. Yeah. I'm not sure he really changes. Because, like, whatever he was before, he kind of, like like, grows better. I feel like Misty, like, has the capability to change. She also like has water types, but you know what? I think that it's going to be a stretch anyway. I will give Misty the fire uh, just because she does have those bouts of anger. Um, I think the easiest one is Brock, though. Am I wrong? Like, I think Brock's the clear earthbender. 
Yeah, I guess so. I was honestly, I was thinking you could have Pikachu as the Earthbender because Pikachu doesn't change throughout <laughs> the whole series. Pikachu basically learns like a couple of new moves per season, but barely anything. It learns like Iron Tail and like Volt Tackle at one point, and that's, that's pretty true. much it. So I kind of had almost want to slot Pikachu as my Earthbender, but then because I don't think what 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 Ben if if Brock is your Earthbender hypothetically, what is Pikachu then? Pikachu, I guess, is the airbender i guess just because i do feel like pikachu has that sort of like sillier side now i'm kind of thinking like detective pikachu type of stuff yeah i'm thinking like pikachu's the one who's like a little bit curious gonna try to find like like i don't know getting in trouble a little bit like maybe a little bit more willing to explore uh it's also easier probably to attribute the non-human to the airbender just because it's like harder to attribute motivations, so it probably seems more airbender-like. Yes, but I think that's with true. Brock as my earthbender, that Pikachu would be my airbender. Uh, yeah, no, something? I think I agree with that, and then that leaves I, so we'll have Brock as the earthbender, Pikachu as the airbender, and that leaves Ash as the waterbender. Water is the element of change. Ash changes his team numerous times. Pikachu is the only constant throughout all his Pokemon teams. So, yeah, that's I think... True. I, you know, I do think that like, if we're going to say that Ash is uh, going to be the waterbender, like, I think Ash has that sort of, like, kind spirit that we see from a few of the waterbending characters. Yes. Not really the, like, passion that I think that we see out of a lot of the greatest waterbenders. So, I kind of think he'd be a bad waterbender. But, uh, yeah, I think I think that's what it is. You know, we had to work it out live. A little bit of disagreement at the top. But I think I think we got to a good place there, Zach. I agree. I agree. Cool. Well, you know, that wraps things up with the Misty being our fire, Brock being the earth, uh, Pikachu air, Ash is water. There you go. Uh, Last thing is Avatar news. Avatar news. Yes, we got some Avatar news. So what's been making headlines recently is IG, both IGN and Nickelodeon are starting Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. I don't know what they're doing. Are they rewatching the series as a whole? Who knows? But they're encroaching on our territory. We got to throw hands. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're trying to they're trying to get all over us. They're trying to throw some smoke. We're going to fight back. Uh, obviously, we're not going to fight. Uh, <laughs> I, I could not. Like, uh, yeah, I could not imagine myself in a fight. But uh, yeah, like... Obviously, I love Avatar so much that I probably still will listen, uh, but... Really? You know, may, we'll see. I'll listen to the first episode of each, but it's just a little rude, you know? We've I don't stuck think I'm listening here. To- we put oh, in the continue. hours. They're trying, yeah. to, they're trying to take us over. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to listen to the IGN one. It's just going to be two That's people fair. like us talking about it, but I'll listen to the Nickelodeon one, especially if they can get like some of the voice actors. Like If they get Dante Basco or Jesse oh, yeah. Flowers... Yeah. Or like Zach Tyler Eisen, one of these voice actors, and I'd love to talk for about sure, it. So, for sure. For sure. Or be, listen to it. That would be very cool. Or even like a writer to like talk about like yeah. the different gags yeah, yeah, that yeah. were cut. Like I, I would actually love to know like the jokes that got cut because they were like either maybe two on the edge or like there are too many like it. Like I want to know what's in the grab bag of Avatar jokes. That would be great. Nah, yeah. So there is a lot we could they could do there. So yeah, I, as jokes aside, I maybe will listen to the Nickelodeon one. But yeah, we got yeah. some competition now. Well, you know, competition makes us stronger. You know, we've talked about coaching a few weeks ago. Now we got some competition here. It's all right. We got we got a uh, coach Zach here to coach us up, get us <laughs> ready for the big day. 
<laughs> I don't know if I'm that good a coach, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's all we got for you this week. Uh, as always, please do write in any feedback you have for the episodes at avatar at postyourrecaps.com. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the Serpent's Pass. So there you go. Um, you can find us on any podcast, hang in there, uh, smash those five stars. Please leave a review and leave a rating. We really do appreciate it. Anything yeah, postshowrecaps.com slash ATLA to leave the yep. ratings. You can follow me on Twitter at ZachMohammed32. And where can they follow you, Jacob? People can follow me at JK Redman. Uh, you can also catch me on the Brazilian Dragon Pod with Felipe, who was on uh, Renap recently talking High School Musical, which was fun. Yeah, I think High School, I want to hear them talk about High School Musical too, because I think that actually has better songs. Uh, I agree. I think, yeah. I don't, I do not want to get destroyed my mentions. I don't think the High School Musical songs are that good. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, think so that, either. Like, people like them from kids and like they continue to like them. High School Musical 2 has some good songs though. Yeah, I like the I Don't Dance. I like that yeah. little ensemble thing. Well, yeah. there we go. Cool. At least That's- we agree on that. But there you go. That's all we have for you that this week. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, see ya. Peace out. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.